through their music. Out of the Box with Joey Watson on FBI 94.5. Hello, FBI Radio listener. Yes, Joey Watson here live on your radio, streaming online and on podcasts. You are listening to Out of the Box. Every Thursday, I'm joined here on the In the FBI studio by one guest, and together we get to roll through their life stories and spin the records behind them. Today, I'm sitting down with actor Hazem Shamas. Last year, Hazem copped a Logie for his role in the TV show Safe Harbour, a drama which follows the story of five Australians who set out on a sailing holiday and encounter an overcrowded fishing boat of desperate asylum seekers. But it was a long trip to the podium, one that goes right back to his Palestinian parents' migration from a small village in northern Israel against the backdrop of violence to an insurmountable challenge of being typecast as a drug dealer or criminal on Australian screens, one that has characterised the early careers of many non-white actors in this country. On screen, on stage, and on your FBI radio, Hazem, a warm welcome to Out of the Box. Thank you for being here. Thank you, thank you. Nice intro, man. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. Let's um, take this right back to this town in Israel uh, where your family is from. What what sort of town is the it village, from what you know? The, the village of Fasuta is the is the is the name. It's up on the um, uh, the northern well southern Lebanese border, northern Israel, so up in the Galilee. What is it? What does it look like? It's oh, it's 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 kind of like a it's a dead end kind of town. It's um, it's very bucolic, you know. It's a little country town, really. There's not much in it. It's got um, it's surrounded by. Look, uh, fields of olive trees and 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 you know the odd kind of donkey and goat wandering past uh, even now. But then it's it's built up. You know, in the last few generations, people have, like the, the town's grown, but the um, the I guess the the footprint you know and the geography of the the, the town hasn't hasn't been able to expand um, because there is kind of like a land grab thing going on around there. So so the the old the old stone and concrete houses have just built up on top of each other. Um, it's a population of about 2,000. Um, I think half my family, most of them are still there. Most of them have moved an hour south to the, um, the largest city, or the, clo- the closest large city is Haifa, and uh, the other half are living there. Uh, it's beautiful. Like Whenever I go there, I kind of feel a nice sense of home. What was your parents' experience of the town before they left? Most of those towns are the Arab villages in the north live pretty well in terms of you know most 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 of the Arab community can get by pretty comfortably with life. Uh, my old man dodged most of the questions and and I'm only starting to to kind of learn more about their life before they left just with just recently with my trips going back and you know asking his friends and asking family around um the reason they came was mostly economic but also because he wanted to study and um uh, find more opportunity in life there was kind of like a ceiling and there is there is a ceiling but back in those days he wanted to be an engineer and an arab wasn't allowed to go to a particular university to study this engineering course um and he found he found his out in australia got accepted to a course here and uh, came here, so, but but life was good. You know, he worked pretty hard. He was an electrician. He was a tradie. He kind of uh, he's famed for bringing electricity to the houses of Fasulta. You know, he was the first guy who kind of came in and wired all the houses, and that's sometime in the um, 
uh, probably like the mid 60s, from early 60s. From the s- small parts of their story that you have managed to piece together over the years, are you aware that there was experiences of, of violence um, that that perhaps from a Western perspective are typical of a Palestinian town? The, uh, in so much as direct violence, uh, as you might imagine, people in the West Bank face or people in Gaza face, no, you know, because they are they have you know they've been um, you know, assimilated and, and and absorbed into the Israeli community. Uh, the violence, uh, by way of by way of discriminations and systemic discriminations. And, and, and he always, one of the things he did say, and, this is, and, 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 and my mum says this as well, is it no longer felt like our country, it no longer felt like home. And so that's probably something they had, they had grown up with and then they got to their, you know, they got married and they got to their early 20s and said, well, yeah, it doesn't really feel like home, let's get out of here. Was it a long uh, deliberation for before migration of what you're aware? Yeah, he, the story goes, he did it um, silently and alone. He didn't really tell anyone <laughs> his plan. So the long deliberation was, he, you know, he got the paperwork in play and he got he, he saved the money and got everything in play. And I think he just popped, popped it on my mum at the last minute and said, "Hey, guess what? We're we're packing up and leaving. We'll be we'll be gone in a couple of months, something like that." So I think it was long, but he, he sort of was a bit of a, a dark horse about it and just slowly planned his escape. Well, what do you think of the experience that your parents must have had of raising four kids in a completely foreign environment in Australia? Well, the, uh, my sister and I were born there, so they travelled over. It's, it's a wacky it's a wacky prospect, really, even to think about of it now. I've got two babies at about the same age. As how old were you? As I was one, I was nine months old, and then my older sister was three. So now I have a two and a half year old, and a one year old. And the idea of packing up on a one way ticket and going to, you know, buttfuck nowhere at the end of the planet, uh, uh, is 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 wild. You know, I kind of. I, I break out sweats when we plan a trip to, to Noosa, you know what I mean? So so they, so they I was a baby, my older sis was three, we came out here and I, 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 well, well the, the, one of the interesting things that, that, that I've just learnt was they landed, thanks to, thanks to Whitlam's uh, you know, op, open doors, um, they landed in Australia, welcome arms in Sydney, but it was in the middle of a recession. So dad couldn't find work for I think the first nine months. And that was January 1975. And this was um, looking for work to fulfil his ambition of becoming an yeah, engineer. and actually settle into a, a new country. So, And then mum didn't have great um, English. She had us two babies at home. She then found out like within within a month that she was pregnant. Um, and then dad was hustling for work in a, in a, in a strange town called Sydney. Um, you know, with no one around really. There was one, there was one distant friend from the same village who had come yeah, a couple of years previous so he he helped he helped us out for the first few months but apart from that yeah it was it's probably the one of the, the most bravest expeditions so what can we play off the top then Hazem off the top uh, it'd be nice to start with uh, a bit of dam and dam is a, a Palestinian hip-hop outfit that came out around um, all the early 2000s 
and they're kind of like the godfathers of, of Palestinian hip-hop. Uh, this particular song is Minute Habi. Uh, for me, I've kind of like... Uh, at, when it came out and, and, and their particular voice and their particular style just just kind of spoke to, spoke about the, you know, the, 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 the Palestinian uh, resistance or, or affirmation and, and then the kind of current climate which, which we're still sort of dealing with here about, um, about Arabs more or less just either falling into the category of refugee or terrorist. Uh, in this particular case, Minad Habi translates as, you know, who, who is a terrorist, who you call a terrorist. And it's, uh, it's an awesome song. We've had 50 years of assault on Palestinian rights. I think they're the most terrorized, or at least with the Iraqi people, they're the most terrorized people on earth and have been for so many years. Practically every Palestinian lives in constant harassment, threat of violence, humiliation in that way for a long, long time. مين الهابي انا رهابي كيف رهابي وانا عايش ببلادي مين الهابي انت رهابي ماكلني وانا عايش ببلادي قاتلني زي ما تلت اجدادي اجل الخنون عن صادي ما انت يا عدو بتلعب دور الشاهد المحامي والقاضي علي قاضي نهايتي بادي علمك انقل فوق معنى علي علمك لعلي تصير بالمقابر اختارية ديمقراطية والله الكمناسية كتر مغتصدوا النفس العربية ولا تسمع عمليا في جارية وهنا ديت نرهبية يعني ضربتني وباكيت سبعتني واشتكيت لما ذكرتك انك بدين نصيت وحكيت ما انتو بتخلوا ولاد صغير محجار من هم شاهد يدبوهم بالضعر ايش كنو نسيت انو سلاحك ضب الاهل تحت الحجار وعلى لما وجع الفار بتناديني ارهابي مين ارهابي انا ارهابي كيف ارهابي وانا عايش في بلادي مين ارهابي انت ارهابي وانا عايش في بلادي ليش ارهابي عشان دمي مش هادي حامي عشان رافع راس وارض بلادي قتلوا حبايبي انا لحالي اهلي تشردوا راح اضلي انادي انا مش ضد السلام السلام ضدي علي بده يهدي تراثي بده يمحي واللي بيحكي كلمة بشد وراه همة بيكون زلمة تعملوا منه رمة ومين انتو لسه امتى خبرتو اتصلوا عدا شتلتو عدا شتمتو اماياتنا بيبكو ابياتنا بيشكو اراضينا بيخطفو انا بقولكم من انتو انتو خبرتو بدلع احنا خبرنا فقر من كبر فوسع ومن كبر جحر صار في دائع ملتو منه اجرامي وانت يا ارهابي بتناديني ارهابي مين ارهابي انا ارهابي كيف ارهابي وانا عايش ببلادي مين ارهابي انت ارهابي ما كلي وانا عايش ببلادي انت ببطل ارهابي لما تضربني كف وقتي خدي تاني كيف تتوقع مني اشكر لاتاني تعرف ايش انت اولي كيف تخياني راكع ركبي وايدي مرابطات ايوم بالارض وجوزة زنزتتات بيوت مهدومة عائلاتي مشردات اطفال يتيمة حرية بكلفشات انت عمر انت قدر احنا بنقبر ما علينا بنصبر وجعنا بنصدر اهم شي انك تحس بامان اتريح وسيب لنا الالام ما هو دمنا دم كلام حتى لا لما الكلب يموت في الرفق بالحيوان يعني دمنا ارخص من دم الكلاب لا دمي غالي رح ادافع حالي لو تناديني ارهابي مين 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 ارهابي انت ارهابي
شوف ايش الجرى شوف مش حرام هذا كسروه حرام هذا هذا عمره 200 سنه الشجر هذا 200 سنه كانت العالم تعيش منه تاكل منه راحوا كسروه That's Palestinian hip-hop group DAM on FBI Radio. This show is out of the box. My guest is Palestinian-Australian actor Hazem Shamas on your radio, on podcasts, anywhere. As I mentioned, you're listening to Out of the Box. Hazem, where was your Australian childhood spent? When we first arrived, we stayed at this friend's, uh, this distant friend's place in, in Ryde and then soon uh, found an apartment, moved in a, into a, an apartment um, a few blocks down the road. So uh, that first flat I remember really well was on Blacksland Road, 259 Blacksland Road in Ryde. Uh, from there, I think about the age of five, so the first five years we were there, then we moved to a, a, another little rental house um, a few streets over on the other side of Top Ride. And then f- at the age of about 10, Dad decided um, he, f- he wanted to build a house. So uh, we, used, we used to take these little weekend trips out to Dural. And back in the day, Dural was still the food bowl of Sydney. And they, they, were, they were really kind of like little country, country escapes. So we'd take these little weekend trips. And then I think the story goes, it was one of those weekends, he just saw a sign for a bit of a land release. Um, put down a deposit on a block of land and we moved out to the edge of edge of freaking nowhere at the time it was um it was i mean it was slowly developing but it was literally at the edge of a national park uh and he built his first house there we moved out there at about the age of 10 or 11. as if the migrant experience wasn't already isolating enough you know he i felt i i I, i'll never get the chance to actually you know ask him or properly understand what the drive is but i'm a bit of a drifter and i like i like the kind of fringes and the perimeters of of anything and I kind of I'm, I'm guessing he had the same sense where you know it probably wasn't just the, the discriminations and the discomfort of, of 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 life back home where he I think he just really had a drive to kind of reach out to the boundaries and the borders and he constantly did that so he came to Australia and then you know central suburban kind of city life wasn't enough so he took off to the to the hills literally do you think it was as a as a refuge or as an escapism, what what was he looking for? I mean, I don't know. That's that's a kind of that's an existential question to to sort of wonder what 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 is the wandering spirit? What is that? Is it is it kind of like a is it just a byproduct of 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 the immigrant experience, or is it is are people just drifters, or was he just a drifter? Hazem, uh, delving way back to kindergarten, your first acting gig. What was this? Oh, the the little drummer boy. I, I, I remember it so clearly that I was just... I, all the other boys we were doing, of course, it was a nativity play, you know. We were at, we were at that end of the, 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 the school year and we were in primary school and then everyone had was kind of allocated their role and I got the little drummer boy. Now, all the other guys in the class or at least the ones um, uh, nominated for the nativity play uh, had towels on their heads, but being an Arab, I had a proper hutta, you know, I had a proper kafir to wear. And I was proud of that, and I was kind of waiting for my moment where I, I get to walk up the up the aisle with my fake little drum and kind of present it as a gift to the to the baby Jesus. I don't know if you had a baby or not, I can't remember that bit, but I do remember talking to one of the guys just, just sitting next to me in a pew like one of the fathers. 
I should say, leaning and talking to him, and I, and I think I started to explain to him my whole kind of motivation and backstory about what I'm about to do, and it kind of felt like my first proper proud acting moment. A six-year-old employing the method. Yeah, totally. <laughs> How long did it take for you after that to start to see yourself as an actor, that that might be something you want to do? Oh, it took a while. It, uh, it's not something, you know, it's not something the son of a migrant... Arab migrant, you know, family actually kind of just can seriously take up, uh, especially especially in, in in our case where I kind of respect that you know we came out for for opportunity to to work hard and and you know to to get a degree like which is what Dad did. So you kind of do you you do all those sorts of things that that a good Arab son should do. But you know, especially especially after moving out to the sticks, as we like to call it. You know, I, I I always I always recognised in myself a, a kind of like you know an an, an urge to be you know, to, to for artistic expression just to kind of create something, so it it, it and acting uh, came much later. I didn't seriously take it up until about twenty one twenty two. I came back from a trip overseas. I was I was enrolled doing a, a building and, and and construction kind of project management degree at the time, but that was part time, and I was I was kind of barely. T- barely turning up and I sort of dropped out, did some travelling overseas, came back and went, nah, you know, this little thing that, that's that been niggling at me since <laughs> since the drummer boy. Um, uh, and we didn't even do it in high school much, you know, it wasn't really offered. But this thing that kept niggling at me, I sort of started enrolling into in little courses around here and and then finally got serious about it only after I, I kind of stopped partying, I guess, around 24, 25. Did your parents resist as you'd expected them to? They they were the coolest people. They never really resisted. You know, they kind of they, they they'd sort of lay out the expectations, which I think was they were all, was always fair. But they gave they go they gave all of us and they gave me um, a lot of freedom to to be who we wanted to be, and that was that was really beautiful for them. You know, they weren't they weren't your average they weren't your average kind of small minded villages if, if I'm allowed to say that you know they kind of they they came they came out here and as hard as it was for them they embraced the the the, the liberal and they embraced the kind of the, the the potential of this place um I think even even only only recently has mum confessed that she that you know they both thought it was just a little bit of a a women a hobby so when I started doing it I was still I was still completing or trying to complete that um that other degree but they kind of thought I oh, just let him get it let him let him get it out of his system he'll He'll, he'll get serious. <laughs> Little did they know. Right. Um, what can we play now? You've got some Pink Floyd to be churned out into the FBI radio airwaves. I'm very excited about. What's the story behind this particular track? Oh, it takes us back to the sticks. I mean, that time out there is... is, is it, I, I really love that. It's, it's this particular part of, um, of, of where, we, where we lived... Uh, and and the, the people I met out there and the guys I started kicking about with really kind of opened up for me. Uh, I guess it was probably like my artistic training, you know, it kind of like all of a sudden I, 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 I was open to the world of, of, of poetry and art and music and I was kind of playing in a garage band and then hanging out with a bunch of guys just talking about, you know, the philosophies of... Of, of of Nietzsche and Morrison and, and and you know falling in love with Keats and 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 Wordsworth and just kind of re- and doing all this uh, on a Friday and Saturday night by by a fire on a, on a particular 
on a particular place in the middle of in the middle of the bush, just overlooking a valley, and we used to call it the Rock. And we'd go out there and just just kind of howl at the moon and, and 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 party under the stars, just in the middle of like this edge of a, of a national park. And and we did that for a few years, and it, it kind of I, I I struggled to find the actual there was there's a, there was a, there's a there's a, a few there's a there's a particular soundtrack to that time. But this one, this this Pink Floyd track, um, really stood out for me because it kind of I think it just sums up those nights at the Rock and with these guys.
Set the controls for the heart of the sun is the command from Pink Floyd taking us to the teenage years of Hazem Shamas. This show is out of the box. Hazem is a uh, Palestinian-Australian actor. Um, he was uh, uh, Logie, received a Logie Award for his role in the TV show Safe Harbour uh, just, just last year, but today he's with me in the FBI radio studio. Uh, Hazem, what, what did you uh, find as you started to trace out a career for yourself in acting, but particularly for how someone of your background would be represented by the industry? Look, it's tricky because it's a blessing and a curse. I, I'm, I'm, I'm never, I'm never, uh, I, I always try to kind of be careful with being too critical with myself and, and, and the kind of opportunities out there because I'm so, so freaking blessed and lucky with, with the work that I've got and the work that I've had. Um, I, and, I, and, I, and I kind of have nothing but gratitude for the path that I've been able to forge. It's been, it's been amazing. And the, and the experience I've had has been really wonderful. I, you know, of course, like someone that looks like me is going to play drug dealers and is going to play um, taxi drivers and 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 refugees and terrorists. And I, like I know, I have ticked those boxes many times, and it's not a, it's not a bad thing. Um, That's very the, interesting. So you've kind of come to a place of acceptance around it. Well, yeah. Look, you know, you know, stereotyping stereotyping happens. You know, it's going to happen for the for the you know the the little the little blonde girl next door actor who's going to probably mostly always get little blonde girl next door roles. You know what I mean? Um, I kind of I kind of get it. I get I get how casting works. Uh, what the I guess one of the interesting things, and probably like if I can remember your question right, um, it's it it's taken a lot longer for me and I don't and I don't think I don't think it's it, it, I don't think it's because of ability I think it is because of opportunity I think I think it's a numbers game and if um, you know for the first few years of coming out of um, coming out of drama school I didn't really do any professional work I didn't I did I did a lot of plays I did a lot of stuff and that's probably you know I kind of I kind of love that time because that's where you can really Really challenge yourself and challenge perceptions and challenge anything. I probably, I, I think, I just played a refugee once during those first few years. Um, then the professional work came, start, started rolling in, and and the roles got bigger and better. Uh, a lot of the times they are kind of limited, you know. And 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 getting back to that kind of first idea, that the numbers game is 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 uh, a lot smaller because if if. If there isn't a, a, if there isn't a particular explanation in, in the kind of roles that come through about about this this character being from another place or you know having a, having a strange name or whatever, um, the role, I don't seem to get a look in as often as other actors. Uh, like as you can tell, I'm pretty careful with the way I, the way I, I try and phrase this because I don't ever want to seem ungrateful, but there is a conversation to be had about the fact that some 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 opportunities exist for people to to brown face and black face in roles and and that's that's a crass way of describing it in roles that could be offered to other people uh there's also a bit more a bit more work that we can do you know as an industry and as storytellers in in kind of maybe honestly portraying what our hospitals look like and what our what our police forces look like 
by by casting you know detectives that aren't all you know uh, aging white men um, uh, yeah like it's 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 a big conversation the politics of casting is big and people like us uh, we're on the front line we, we 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 get to play it harder and 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 maybe that makes us work harder and be better some hefty nuance perhaps some d- diplomacy in that if i played it well i hope i did yeah but but there's but but you know if um there, there's there's a there's a long way to go and we're doing it we're getting there at start, some stage uh Hazem, as you're kind of cracking into the acting industry in 2004 you met with some um, unexpected news concerning your father what, what had happened I I had I had jack shit of this place and I'd left and I'd essentially bought myself a one-way ticket to Europe at the time I was in and I you know it was it was probably at a time where I I was probably a little frustrated with with my work my career I was frustrated with Sydney I kind of got out of town and said you know let's see what the world brings it was really nice and I was in I was in Paris. I'd done mostly, um, mostly kind of indie theatre around uh, before I left, and, and felt I needed just a little bit of a, a change. Um, just out of the blue, got a call. I was in Paris, just camping down with a beautiful friend over there, and um, and the call was just to kind of tell me that Dad had dropped dead uh, out of the blue. I'd spoken to him the night before, and he's. It, I mean, the irony was it was, you know, he'd said he'd just gone for a physical and he was feeling great and, you know, he couldn't wait for me to get back so we could, you know, plan and do some stuff together. Um, so he went to work the following morning and just dropped dead. It's kind of, I mean, you know, I guess poetically it's probably a nice way to go. Hand free. How did you mourn that? How did you come to terms with it? Uh, I'm probably still, um, still coming to terms with it. It is... It's, it's, you know, it's, I mean, it's life, it's reality, that's what happens. In a way, it was the most amazing gift because it got me back straight away. I, I bought the most expensive kind of ticket I could the following morning and got on the next flight back to Sydney um, to, to bury him. Didn't, didn't get a farewell. And then, but then, but then, just like within weeks after, after burying him, I got a call for my first, um, for my first professional gig and then the gigs just kept rolling in after that so it, you know and 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 the the perspective that death gives you is 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 kind of wondrous you know i kind of feel like in you know if, if he's a guardian or whatever or if in some way you get the, you get the best life lessons as well as as well as some kind of opportunity out of such a tragedy is is kind of mind-boggling probably one of, one of my most profound experiences what can we play for your father and his legacy? Oh, this is this is a great song. Um, this is by Farid Al Atrash, who is ud virtuoso, uh, a prolific film star, uh, kind of man of you know, man of the ages. He's a Syrian Egyptian um, oud player, and it reminds me of my old man so much because he, a he loved the oud and he would always kind of play this particular song. Um, 
reminds me of us driving around in our white Kingswood and him just kind of like he had a collection of cassette tapes that he'd brought brought over with him and it, he'd go through and I think this one got worn out the most. It's the song is El Hayal Helwa by Farid Latrash. <laughs>
Farid El Atrash brought into FBI Radio today and out of the box by Khazem Shamas, brought to Australia by his father at a time of migration. Um, some beautiful uh, traditional Arabic music um, for you, FBI Radio listener. Uh, Hazem, tell me about uh, the show Safe Harbor. What's the concept here? Safe Harbor is about two families trying to trying to come to terms with a tragedy that 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 joins them uh the the one one family are are, are new australians who have been refugeed from iraq and um, have begun a new life in, in australia and the other family are uh just i guess a traditional uh, local family who um, have taken a, a little boating holiday and their paths cross and, and they meet with tragedy and there's a, there's, there's a journey of atonement uh, after that. Uh, it's like the, the politics of it are pretty clear. It's, you know, it's a kind of classic uh, refugee story. There's a lot of grief. There's a lot of, there's a lot of trying to settle into a into a new home um and and i think the brilliance of the show is that the 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 kind of the black and white of of those those sorts of themes and the that weren't so clear you know who 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 was wrong who was right and how do you kind of how how do we i guess uh live with each other this was a script that would eventually bring you uh, Logie and I guess thrust you into a new light. How did it come to you? It came as most jobs, you know, come. They, they, like uh, uh, my, my agent kind of sends, sends scripts through and little opportunities through and I, I, I went through a, 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 kind of a lovely casting process to, to, to play the father of, of, of the Iraqi family. Um, uh, I, I mean, that's that's how it happens. After after meeting, I mean, after a couple of meetings, uh, I met the director and uh, Glendon Ivan, and it was, it was just it, it was actually such a it was kind of uh, it was a really simple meeting. It was really beautiful, and he he I, he's just he's a he's a wonderful director and and storyteller that works from the heart. And because the because the story just kind of hangs with this tragedy of of a dead daughter. There's almost not much you can say about it. You just kind of have to feel it, and so we just sort of sat there and <laughs> felt the weight of, of, of what that kind of a reality would be, and, and then I was uh, yeah, I was offered the role. It was really quite wonderful. Did you get the impression that it might be something special? Might be something that would, um, bring something into Austra- the Australian conversation about refugee and asylum seeker issues i've got to be honest you know i guess it's going off the back of um the back of what i was just saying before you know part of me was 
part of me was like, oh fuck, not another refugee story. And I don't mean that to 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 um, you know, kind of cheapen or belittle or or make any less of of that story because it is such an important story that we're still trying to grapple with and we're still trying to trying to sort out for ourselves as a country. But but it was it really came at a point for me where. You know, it's kind of probably a sad reality for the way the, the way our storytelling is going in, in terms of in, in terms of you know uh, a reflection on, on on who we are as Australians. I've, the the first job the first job I got out um, from drama school in two thousand and one was a refugee story, and we've been telling these stories, f- f- you know, for for longer than that, and it's kind of it's kind of sad that it's twenty years and we still haven't been able to to settle that part of ourselves. And you you feel you're kind of banging your head against the wall and that the national conversation well, doesn't seem to change. Yeah, totally. Like, and, and, you know, and there's enough artists doing enough about it to say, hey, like, you know, these, these guys are, are part of us. You know, they're not, they're not something we need to build a, build a bigger wall to, 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 to get rid of. It's, it's, you know, or lock up or hide away or pretend they're not there. So when this script came along, it was like, okay, fuck, we're still telling this story. But the story was so was so different in, 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 in a way that it actually was probably the first time that it it gave it gave uh, I guess this refugee family the third dimension that we don't expect, which is which is kind of stupid to say, but which which was actually kind of like a complex humanity. And, and unfortunately, a lot of the a lot of the way we, we we deal with that is we don't allow these people, the, these new new migrants, these new refugees, these new Australians who come, we don't allow them the a complexity and a contradiction in in the way in the way they might see the world, and we don't allow ourselves to be surprised by them. We kind of expect them to just, you know, fit the two dimensional mould, be a grieving refugee, be 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 a Muslim, be a terrorist, be a whatever. And they'll just sort of sit and sit in that frame, and that's how we want them. And we want them to kind of sponge off our kind of resources and sit in our, uh, you know, sit in our welfare welfare lines, and that's that's the way we deal with them. Where Safe Harbour gave a family that wasn't wasn't going to do that. They were intelligent. They were educated. They were. They were articulate. They were brave. They were, you know, they, they kind of gave us the complexities, and they weren't afraid to be good and bad. They weren't afraid to be human, and that was the most exciting thing about it. We kind of, I, I, we we got lucky in the way they cast it. We had we we, we got uh, we got a, a beautiful bunch of actors to 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 communicate that with each other, and then the then the the creative process kind of responded to us, and it was really wonderful. Do you feel that you have? as an actor with a, a growing platform a moral responsibility to contribute to works that have some sort of political meaning or that have some sort of place in making the world a better place or just changing the national conversation yeah I do I can't I, like I can't I, I, but I but I think I always have I'm, you know, like I'm. I guess I'm a I'm a I'm a Palestinian <laughs> resistance fighter <laughs> from the start. I can't, I, I can't, I can't help but sit politically and kind of think politically with shit. And then, and theatre is theatre is the kind of is the most bravest political platform we have. And we 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 make and there are a lot of amazing makers creating beautiful work with with the kind of messages that 
you know, I guess most of the time the mainstream doesn't want to hear. And that's where, that's where I, that's where I feel most comfortable. And I kind of sit there and I kind of, I guess I, I, um, I kind of earned my stripes and, and grew there and developed as an, as an artist and an actor there. And so the politics I, or political stuff, um, I really enjoy. I get off on that, and I always have. Well, in the spirit of political uh, change, we've got The Clash up next. What song are we going to play and, and why? I, I love that you've got this. We've got White Riot, The Clash. I guess, I mean, part of it was, was a joke on myself because, you know, through my, through my early teens in high school, I found these guys and so wanted to just be a, 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 an, an emaciated, white, you know, trashy Londoner and, and, you know, be able to, like, you know, kick about in, 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 in scrapped up Doc Martens and, and feel cool about it. But then I was always just a pudgy olive-skinned Arab, so it never quite worked. Um, but, but, the, but, the, but the rage of punk, you know, really, really resonated with me and, and worked for me for, for, for like, I, st- I guess I still, I still kind of, I still get off on that. So, so let's have a listen to, to White Riot, The Clash. White Riot by The Clash uh, on uh, FBI Radio. On your radio, on podcast, anywhere streaming online, you are listening to Out of the Box. My guest is Palestinian-Australian actor Hazem Shamas. He's got a logie for his role on the SBS uh, TV series Safe Harbour. Hazem, uh, the Logies, Australia's top TV awards, are known for wild stories, but your logie-winning night was particularly chaotic why did you almost miss it we had just had uh, our second baby son who and he came out about eight and a half nine weeks premature so uh, 
you know, I'd, like I, I knew I knew I had to attend to the, this this award ceremony, but a few nights before we'd had this, this you know this baby come and, and and join us way too early, so we were just bunkered down in hospital at his at his uh, at his crib side, um, with not not so much you know concern because he was he was doing great, but it wasn't you know it wasn't like I could just get on a plane and and leave, uh, but but my um, my beautiful girlfriend kind of she just said well now fiance I kind of proposed to her last week how awesome is that was, yeah she turned 40 and, and, and I kind of said oh I'm just you know for a 40th I'm just going to give her me so I kind of proposed <laughs> that's wonderful but, um, congratulations thank you thank you but um, the, the, she just said I'll just shut up has get on the plane and get up and have a good time we're fine here uh, so I, yeah I, you know we kind of booked, booked a, a late flight and got up there and had a, had a good night <laughs> A lot of recent um, Logie wins for non-white actors um, have either been perceived or presented um, by the people themselves. I, I think particularly of Waleed Ali's um, uh, gold Logie win as uh, a political victory, some sort of sign of a change in the culture of Australian television or a sign of potential for change. Did you interpret yours with that kind of insight I, I don't I don't feel, look it kind of feels like my my recent work and, and most of my most of my work and the kind of the the momentum I'm, I'm getting to build each each time is a little political win but but yeah to kind of you know to I, I guess I guess that kind of acknowledgement um, as you know, as trashy as the Logies can kind of get hounded for, you know, it, it's it, it really it's it's it is an achievement, not not for me, but for all of us to kind of go, hey, you know, we're and and for a show like Safe Harbor, you know, we're 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 telling we're we're capable of telling good stories and we're capable of creating really surprising heroes and, and protagonists, and and we've got uh, amazing talent that we probably haven't seen before that can deliver this story for us. Um, so, yeah, the, you know, if if it encourages uh, more work like that, which I think, which, which I think it is, you know, just hearing the kind of the stuff that's developing and the and the little things that are coming through, it, if, if that's encouraged people to to be a bit bolder and a bit braver with the kind of stories we're doing, then um, yeah, that's a win. That's awesome. Relatedly, do you have a dream role? I think I I I'm I'm I am the worst actor <laughs> because I don't have a list of dream roles. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, I, I I you know I kind of I, I can't I can't answer that. I don't know. Why not? Is that just because you kind of think the future is unwritten and yeah, and I like the surprises and I like the challenges and I and 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 you know I like like. Most roles that most roles that I get to play with are pretty awesome, and I have a really good time, and I and I make sure I have a good time with them. I guess you know, like if I, if I'm if I'm really pressed, and and which is sort of like a position I've taken now, you know, I kind of think a dream role is where is 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 where I don't I you know I don't have to explain the way I look or or, or put on an accent or, 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 or kneel down on a, on, a, on, a, on a rug to pray to be able for you to kind of uh, comprehend the world where we're exploring. So I guess now, now, and it's kind of like 
a challenge that I put out to the universe, um, you know, and i.e. the industry to kind of go, you know what, like, like actors like me and actors that look like me with, with names that you, you know, you may struggle to pronounce, we don't have to put on a, a funny accent and just drive taxis for you, you know, we can, we can be your, we can be your leading men and we can be your everyman in, in your Australian story. Well, with that, Hazem, what can we play to finish this episode of Out of the Box today? What have we got? Oh, this back? is another. This is another nod to to all my all my family back home. Yeah, we, we migrated out here and, and uh, just alone. You know, just my immediate family. No one else followed, and and most of my family are back there. Uh, it's it's a song by Fadeus, which which Fadeus is kind of like you know she's the she's the godmother of the Middle East, and she's the voice of the Middle East. She's she's so beautiful. Uh, the song is Ya Tired. Um, uh, it's I guess it's an ode to a bird, and it's it's just about the 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 I guess the the idea that a bird can be an intermediary between you know people and loved ones who are a long distances apart, and you know it's like a nice little dedication to my mother. Yeah, tired, Feyruz. With that poetry to finish, I'd like to thank as every week my producers, Bree Jones and Nicole DePalo and Hazem Shamas. Thank you so much for being my guest on Out of the Box today. Yeah, honor and a pleasure, man. Thank you. And great to be here.
podcast is produced by FBI Radio in Sydney. Find more at fbiradio.com slash podcasts.